0: Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. A show that simplifies the complexities of investments, taxes, retirement, and more, so you can discover how to better sustain yourself and your wealth for years to come. Brian is a CPA with 30 years experience and a financial advisor, which brings a unique perspective to the financial world. This show is brought to you by Madrona Financial and CPAs, home of the Rooted Wealth Plan. Want a retirement plan designed to last 30 plus years? Go to madronafinancial.com and click Get Started to see what the Rooted Wealth Plan can do for you. And now, here are your hosts, Brian Evans and Jeff Shade. Thank you so
1: much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help sustain yourself and your wealth for 30 plus years. On today's show, we're going to be discussing what you need to know if you want to leave a charitable legacy, also your end of year tax planning checklist. My name is Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO and President of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to hear that, Brian. I certainly hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Brian, with all the market uncertainty as we head into the upcoming holiday season, as I understand it, charities are experiencing a significant drop in donations. Does that really surprise you? No, not at all. Because when you think about most of
2: America took a massive pay cut, it's called inflation. And so where you're making a certain amount of money and then the next year it doesn't go as far. And the next year after that, it doesn't go as far. And for the rest of your life, it won't go as far because once you have inflation, you don't get it back. You don't say, well, I know the price of food and and things went up 20 plus percent, but I'm sure they'll come down 20 plus percent and go back to where it was. That doesn't happen. Once they're up, they're up. And so they will continue to go up, maybe at a decreasing rate, but once they're up, they're up. So America took a pay cut and wage growth is nowhere close to uh, expense growth. And so what gets cut first? So we all know there's there's areas like consumer discretionary, consumer durables, different things, mortgage payments, apartment rents, whatever it is, housing costs, gas, uh, there's certain things, maybe it's it's loans, car loans, uh, student loans, whatever it may be. Now, you know, if you start putting those down on paper and you go, "Okay, I've got my budget." Am I going to cut out my rent payment Hmm. or my mortgage? Housing? No, I can't touch that. It may have gone up. If it's rents, it's probably went up. So, okay, now I I have less money to spend at the end. What's next? Food, clothing, utilities, gas, go to work, my kids' tuition, health care premiums, whatever. Okay, am I going to cut that out? No, I can't cut that out. It's not discretionary i got to take my kid out of private school though. Okay, that was discretionary. And then you keep going down the list. And what's at the bottom? I'll I'll throw two out there. Vacation, charity. Now, given the choice between taking your annual vacation or giving that money to charity and staying home, I would suspect most people might say, well, you know, I worked really hard. I I would like, I need a break. I'm going to take that vacation. So, To me, the very last thing in anybody's budget is the truly discretionary items led by charitable donations. So, when the country took a 20 to 30 percent pay cut, essentially, that's what gets cut out of people's budgets first because that's the easiest one to cut. Again, you can't cut your housing costs. You can't cut your food costs very much. You can maybe shop somewhere cheaper, you know, but in the end, charitable donations are the ones that we get caught because that probably is the most discretionary item in anybody's budget.
1: Brian, do you think that most people have more than they need, but they really just don't realize it? Yes and no. So the
2: no part is that most of America does not have enough to have the kind of life they want to live. I mean, I've, I've heard stats and I, I can't verify this, but something about, you know, half of America doesn't know how to handle uh, unexpected $500 expense or whatever those you know, stats are. We've all heard those. And that's kind of mind numbing because I tell my kids, you're going to have an unexpected $500 expense basically every month for the entire rest of your life Mm -hmm. things come up a car repair a home repair you know something comes up an increase in property taxes or something uh, pretty much every month the rest of your life and when you read something like that you go oh my gosh how would it be if i couldn't even handle that so that's the no part the yes part is the people that i typically talk to yes, you probably have more than you realize that you probably have more than you need if you're a regular listener to Growing Your Wealth Radio. Because you know, it's, I'm cherry picking my audience here. I got a target audience of people that have worked hard, saved money, invested, and been successful. So they have wealth to grow, and so they're listening to growing your wealth. And and you know, we have our five hundred thousand dollar investable minimum and all that stuff. So most of my clients have a lot more than five hundred thousand. They they have uh, lots of money. When we do their plan, we determine that they they have more than enough. And so the people that we're typically dealing with do have more than enough, but you can't know that until you've done a comprehensive financial plan. And I'm not talking about something that you can get, download a software and fill out yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the plans I see from broker dealers and so forth that other stockbrokers that have some basic, oh, here's your plan. It's these three buckets. Here's your plan. It's a little spreadsheet here. Here's your plan. They aren't comprehensive enough. They don't take into account future estimates of IRAs during your later years, required minimum distributions and the taxation on them, et cetera. You know, I'm talking about getting uh, very, very accurate with these things. So my clients typically, you know, when I, when I meet with someone, I can prove to them that they have more than they need. I can tell them approximately how much that cushion is per year for the rest of their life, according to certain assumptions. And we can see that But you really can't be charitably minded too much, for most of us, until you have that information. If you don't have that information, you probably can't loosen up the purse strings to help a charity. You probably can't loosen them up to help yourself. You probably aren't spending enough money on yourself because you're worried about running out of money. But after you come in and we do the plan and we show you what you have to work with, people are always like, really? I have that much cushion. I'm going to pass away with how much? Oh my gosh. Well, is there something I could do differently now? Yes. And then we can talk about this stuff.
1: Charitable donations might be part of that plan. And Brian, when it comes to charitable giving, I think most people think of the tax savings. I mean, how much am I going to be saving on my taxes if I give this much to charity? And that's just the monetary part of it. But really, there is a much bigger picture or a different way to look at this, isn't there?
2: Oh yeah, it, certainly the tax savings part is part of it, but that is not why most people give because, you know, as you if you're in the 24% bracket and you give uh, $1,000, you know, you get if you're itemizing, you get $240 back from the federal government. You're still out 760 so you're you're still giving of your own money you could have spent on something else so that's generally not the primary reason people make charitable donations but there's another aspect to this and we'll talk a little bit about some of the techniques people can use certainly you know if you give to charities a substantial amount or somewhat substantial amount i would like to and i would guess you would like to get some of that back from the irs and make sure that you take advantage of the tax laws available to increase your refund or decrease your taxes so you know if you're going to give let's let's make it good Let, let's get and make sure the irs cooperates with us as opposed to not but the the real thing about charitable giving is a lot of people look at that and because they don't know they have a a lousy financial plan and they may think they have a good one, but you know, I've looked at so many that that I say, wow, okay, well, we missed a couple of assumptions. And you know what happens when you put the wrong assumption or wrong cell on a spreadsheet, the whole thing's a mess. Mm -hmm. It's like putting a stink bug in the middle of your stew. You know, it's just (laughs) one little, one little problem, but it ruined everything. And so that fear of, to give sets in and, and certainly if we can alleviate that, now you can be open to the idea of, okay, I can give money, I can give money when I die, but what would it look like if I gave money while I'm living, what if I saw the ramifications of some of the things that I'm able to give, whether it's to those in need around you that you know, your your kids, your grandkids, your charities, certainly that could be a very fulfilling thing in life. Like giving your life purpose, getting up today, how did I make this world a better place this this month, this year? Am I making the world a better place, or am I just trying to improve my golf game as I age? You know, I'm not saying anything against golfers, but you know, there <laughs> there might be more to life. You know. And and so many of us could really uh, add some purpose to our life, real positive purpose, by getting involved in charities, charitable work, charitable gifting while we're living instead of just waiting until after we pass.
1: Brian, earlier you talked about having a financial plan and determining how much someone has to give to a charitable endeavor. How do you determine if someone's financial plan is sturdy enough to support charitable giving? that's a good question because a lot of people might look at their plan and go well the plan
2: says I'm gonna be okay but something you got to ask yourself if the markets go down are you gonna be uncomfortable with that plan that you're looking at right now and if the answer is yes then you don't have the right plan. You don't have the right investment mix. You don't have the things put in place that can allow you to even believe the plan that you put together in the first place. So there, there's a problem. Again, I said, well, you need a plan and all that stuff. But if you're thinking, well, I have one and, and it's actually accurate, but what if things go bad, then I'm messed up and I can't take that money back. I can't give money to charity so that you hit it on the head there, Jeff with that question that you can have a plan. However, If you're uncomfortable with a market that's not going the way, whether it's a real estate market, whether it's a stock market, the bond market, these are all different markets that have had good times and very bad times. And so having a plan that protects you against that so you can have the the peace of mind to know that you'll be okay no matter what the market is, that's another requirement of being able to open yourself, I think, to a lifetime of proper charitable giving. And Jeff, when I talk about a plan, I'm not just talking about a plan because not all plans are the same. There's good plans, there's great plans, there's bad plans. (laughs) I'm talking about the qualitative nature of the plan. And there was a recent study that came out and it's talking about retirees and evidently about 25% of us have no plan whatsoever. 35% of us have a direction, but no plan. So that's over half now with no plan. Of the ones that do have a plan, the 40 or so percent, there's about 20% that you would say have a rough plan and 20% that have a comprehensive plan. So one in five retirees have a comprehensive plan according to the study. Now, I will take that, break down that 20% and say, some have a good comprehensive plan, some may have a great comprehensive plan. And that's what I think the people listening to this show want is to have a great comprehensive plan. Why wouldn't you, of course? So here's what I encourage people listening to do is to give us a call and set up a meeting so we can discover whether it makes sense for you to talk to us about doing a comprehensive plan that can help take you from good to great. Because we're talking about charitable gifting right now, but we need to take care of yourself first. We got to make sure you're okay. And you can't be okay if you're one of the 80%. uh, Well, I guess you can be, you can get lucky, but certainly if you're one of the 80% that doesn't have a comprehensive plan at a minimum and one of the the less than 20% that have a great comprehensive plan where you're not worried about markets going up and down, that's a very, very small slice of our population. I want anybody listening to be part of that small slice. So if that's you, then I encourage you to give us
1: a call. Brian, if this conversation resonates with our listeners and their desire to charitably give and leave a legacy, as Brian said, We want you to give us a call. You can do it right now. That number is 833-673-7373 and request your Madrona analysis. If you want to sustain yourself and your wealth and your quality of life, but also charitably give, find out if you can do that by calling 833-673-7373 for your Madrona analysis. You can do it today. Phone lines are open. Now you must have at least $500,000 or more of investable assets. And if you do, we will send you out as a bonus. Brian's book seven steps to a successful retirement this is just a conversational analysis that's not going to cost you a dime but it could be just what you need to put together a charitable giving plan that will mean more than just a tax advantage to you but could change the direction and the life of your favorite charity once again that number is 833-673-7373 and as i said our phone lines are open right now for this no cost no obligation conversational analysis remember this one call could make all the the difference Brian, when I think of charitable gifting strategies, often it comes to mind these multi-million dollar endowments and scholarship funds and so forth, but how much do you really need to begin to make a difference in someone else's life or an organization?
2: Uh, Not a whole lot. You know, and certainly I could talk about charitable remainder unit trusts and annuity trusts and endowment scholarships funds, and and I actually will here a little bit. of Personal experience, I've been working with some of my charities on creating scholarship fund. an endowment fund that will go on and on. Endowment fund is something generally set up in somebody's name. We're honoring a person, a particular person here, and it's going to be set up in her name and it will have enough money to fund a scholarship in this case for a low-income high school student that wants to go to trade school or to a college to better their life. And uh, you would think, well, you gotta have millions of dollars, right? No, in this case, $25,000 sets up a scholarship fund for at least a $1,000 scholarship every year, uh, ongoing. It's not gonna go away. That's always gonna be there. So every year, a scholarship will go out in this person's name, and we're talking $25,000. So we put together an event. One of the best things about uh, my, charitable stuff is not just writing a check it's the fact that I get to go to you know we plan together I get to know like-minded people I'm on boards with them or committees with them they're becoming some of my best friends frankly as an adult for many years, you know, you meet your kids, uh, you go, your take your kids to a baseball game or whatever, and the other dads, and, you know, you get to know them. But at this point in my life, this is where our, my social area is, is through my charities. And all these events we go to, again, we're like-minded. That's added so much to my life I I'm getting more than I'm giving actually and you don't have to give millions of dollars it's a combination of your time your talent your treasure so putting in some time maybe offering you have particular talent that can help your your charitable endeavors and then your treasure that's the money part and so some combination of that so it can be very little treasure but a lot of time and talent or vice versa But if you're going to give some money, make sure it's tax deductible and and you're getting that benefit too. I definitely encourage that. But I just wanted to share that the rewards I have found, which I, I didn't know about until recent years, the more charities I've been able to, you know, I'm always at it as a treasurer or finance committee person because of my background, of course. But then getting involved, actually working closer, doing the interviews uh, with one of my charities of, of the kids that are applying for the scholarships and learning your stories and all that stuff. And then again, the just the adult back and forth and getting to know the other people, again, that are like-minded and going to things with them. When I go there, they're they're all kind of like your best friend, you know, even though you don't even know them, but you can start conversations and see things happen in your life. So Sometimes you, you get a lot more than you give, hopefully, and, and there's, so there's a lot more to charitable gifting than just writing a check. You know, I, again, I, we can talk about the tax implications of different strategies, but certainly I, I did want to touch on that about this is not just for the wealthy.
1: And that's a very good point, Brian, is that often you get a lot too from giving to charities. Let's talk about the monetary part of this. I mean, you can give cash, but are there other ways that you can donate to charity? For example, could you donate property or could you donate assets, that sort of thing?
2: Absolutely. So let's say you have some appreciated stock and you plan on giving your charity twenty thousand dollars, say, and you know, if you called up your CPA, how much do I have to sell? Well, you have to sell twenty five thousand dollars of your stock to give twenty because you gotta pay five in tax, say. And you might go, huh, is there any way I don't have to pay the five in tax? Yeah, just give twenty thousand of stock. Don't sell twenty five, give twenty and you'll still get the same twenty thousand dollar deduction on your tax return. and the IRS just doesn't get their five. What about when the charity, when they sell the stock, they don't pay tax. So you've eliminated five thousand in tax just by. You mean instead of writing a check, I just transfer some shares of stock, and I save five thousand dollars. And yep. Well, why wouldn't I
1: do that? I don't know. <laughs> you should do that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's there's an easy one right there. So we talked about endowments and scholarship funds, and I know when it comes to required minimum distributions, some people forget about those. Is it possible to gift your required minimum distributions to a charity?
2: Yeah, not only your required minimum distributions, but after age 70 and a half, you can give money from your IRA, which has not been taxed yet and will be to somebody unless you give it directly to a charity. So again, in this case, uh, instead of probably selling, you know, depending on your tax bracket, you want to give that $20,000, you might have to sell twenty eight, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 coming out of your IRA to pay a much higher tax and then give the charity the net or you can just give it directly at age 70 and a half. Once you're uh, at required minimum distribution age, you can give that and it qualifies towards your required minimum distribution and nobody, again, nobody pays the income tax on it. The charity doesn't pay the income tax, you don't pay the income tax, and so you can accomplish a much higher goal by doing it tax smart. So if you're 70 and a half, and you give more than you know the $100 or $50 or whatever, if you give a fairly substantial amount to a particular charity, and you plan to do that this year, please do it directly, and so that uh, nobody pays the income tax on that donation.
1: Brian, because the holidays are just around the corner, this is the time that people think about charitably giving, but does it really have to be the holidays? What I mean by that is, should charitable gifting and strategies be a part of your overall financial plan from the beginning of the year?
2: Yeah, you know, of course, we're, we're talking about having a, an overall financial plan, a comprehensive financial plan, and not just a good one, a great one. And part of that will be charitable giving strategies. Part of that will be the taxation from those charitable giving strategies. This is something that's a year round thing because as I was alluding to, when I was talking about time, talent and treasure and the personal rewards I have personally achieved, that didn't just happen because I started thinking about my charitable gifting uh, the day after Christmas and I wanna you know, shove something in there to get it on my tax term before year end. That's not where it started. <laughs> this is a lifetime decision that that is part of my identity. That is who I am. I spend time working with charities. I spend time on their boards. I spend time on committees and all this different stuff. And it's really adding to my life and my purpose and so forth. But that's something that's year round. And so I would encourage people that have a desire to do that, you know, whether it's charity or, or other kinds of activities, that you make a, a purposeful attempt to make that part of your plan. And that would be part of a financial plan. And financial plans again, don't just wait to the end of the year to do your financial plan. If it is close to the end of the year, don't stop. You know, go ahead and do it. It better late than never, I always say but certainly any financial planning is better if we're doing it on an ongoing basis. And so that's one of the advantages our clients have, this is not a one and done. Once we do a comprehensive financial plan, that thing changes the next day. Markets change every day of our life, every hour. And so things are changing all the time. We don't have to do a daily financial plan, but we do need periodic great financial plans updated because things change in life, things change with investments. A lot of times things change for the better. And that's a good thing to know too. And so our clients get this ongoing analysis and, and availability of what I would consider a great financial plan and financial planning,
1: along with the advice to live the life we want to live. Brad, I want to circle back to something that you mentioned in the beginning of the show. Should a down market necessarily mean that you can't give to charity? Absolutely not. And that
2: is what we're getting at here if you've done your planning, if you have the right mix of types of investments that can protect you in down markets, whether, you know, all the different asset classes, if you know how much cushion you have in various situations, and that is uh, an intent of yours is to be terribly minded, then the market itself should not dictate the plan, the plan should be something that would survive any kind of market. And that is what I'm getting at here. Do you have, can you sit there and go, well, I, I have that peace of mind right now. I don't need to do anything different. And I have a comprehensive plan and I don't feel nervous when markets are going down. If you can't say that to yourself, then you're probably not there. And that, that is, you know, what we're talking about here is getting to a point where you feel comfortable in any market to do the things you want to do. And if charitable gifting is part of that plan of doing things you want to do, then that's something we want to help you with.
1: And Brian, again, I want to point out that if this conversation resonates with our listeners and they're desiring to charitably give and leave a legacy, again, call 833-673-7373 to get your Madrona analysis and find the different ways that you can charitably give and leave a legacy. Once again, that number, 833-673-7373. No cost, no obligation. And those phone lines are open right now. If you're just joining us, this is Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We just finished discussing what you need to know if you wanna leave a charitable legacy. If you wanna hear the show again, don't worry, we're also a podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts and search for Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. You'll get this show and weekday takeaways so that you can stay on top of your wealth and how to grow it. Brian, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll be discussing your end of year tax planning checklist and more when our show continues. Stay
0: tuned. Tired of only getting half the story? That's why it's so important to get your financial information from a CPA and an advisor like Brian Evans. Now let's get back to some of the most comprehensive financial information around. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO
2: of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about your year-end tax planning
1: checklist. And Brian, here we are almost the end of the year again. And this is a time that a lot of people begin to think about tax planning. And I want to underline, they begin to think about it at this time of the year. When should you really start end of year tax planning or when should you really start tax planning in general?
2: Well, you should start on December 31st, unless December 31st falls on a Saturday. Then I would suggest you start <laughs> December 30th. Okay. Oh, I'm being sarcastic, aren't I, Josh? Yeah,
1: that's, where, that's when people do. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Well, as, as people know that listen to my show, we should start earlier rather than later. Uh, today's a good day to start thinking about actually being proactive, not just thinking about, sorry, I almost said thinking about. We think about things all the time. I think about walking two miles all the time. I don't always walk those two miles that day, but certainly thinking about as a start, I guess, but being proactive. And really this show is about being proactive. And why is that? We want you to have a better life when it comes down to it. This show is about how can we help you have a better life, and we talk about a comprehensive financial plan, not a good one, but a great one, as we mentioned today, and I've never met anybody ever that has had A great comprehensive plan prepared for them where they go my life is worse off having gone through this process (laughs) of completing a comprehensive financial plan so I I probably start sounding like the dentist at this point or your doctor who says okay don't eat the sweets uh, eat healthier and exercise and you go, I know all that I should do that I would have a better life it's just hard to get myself to do all that stuff so I'm kind of like that person probably over and over I I keep Mm -hmm. saying you will have have a better life every time if you have a great comprehensive financial plan and you update that periodically. So I don't think there can be a whole lot of argument to to that statement. That's what we're offering. Unlike the doctor, we actually offer that, you know, the the start of that without any obligation or, or any cost to you. So certainly I expect people to say, well, gosh, you're probably right, Brian. That probably would be a good thing in my life. So, you know, the reason we have this show, the reason we do what we do is to try and help you have a better life. And I know, I know to my core that's starting with that great comprehensive financial plan is a key component to that. So don't wait until December 31st, like I said, but try and do it earlier. The earlier, the better.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people go to the doctor, they go to the dentist when something hurts. I mean, they go when it's almost too late. What you're saying is really there is some prevention that you can take earlier in the year so that these things never happen. Would that be a fair analogy to tax planning is that if you don't wait until it's too late that you can head off a lot of these problems before they become problems
2: well I think that's a great analogy I mean we all know that if you wait until you know you're very overweight for a long time and then you have heart problems then you go see the doctor the doctor would have preferred had you come to them ten years earlier Knowing you were heading in a particular direction that anybody would say, yeah, you're, you're at risk for heart disease because of certain conditions. So the doctor would say, gosh, I wish you'd come here 10 years ago. I could have done something to help you. Now it's hard. Or if you come after the crash has happened, well, can you help me? Well, somewhat, but I, I wish you'd come here 10 years ago, five years ago. Give us some time. This is not a, a one-time thing. You don't just uh, be. Gee, I'm really unhealthy, and I, I haven't eaten vegetables in 20 years. I'm going to eat one piece of kale, right. and that should solve everything, right? Or uh, I haven't exercised in years, but I'm going to exercise on January 1st. I'm going to join the health club, go there one time, exercise, and that should fix it, right? Well, well no, it won't do it. Financial planning is a lifetime kind of thing. Uh, you don't have to continue to do it. That, that's a nice thing, you know. With exercise, you got to keep coming going back with your diet, you gotta keep that up. With financial planning, you can do it periodically and be okay. You don't have to do, uh, re-up to your financial plan every every week of your life, but you got to get it right and do the steps and the processes that we would go through. And it is a process. It's not a, a one and done, a one meeting. Hey, uh, let me tell you about my annuity or my sixty forty stock bond split. I'll take all your money and have a nice life. You know, we're not that firm, certainly. And so it's a process for us to go through with you over time. It doesn't take as much time as you think of your own time or effort because we do the heavy lifting. But periodically we want to make sure that you're on the right track and we can help you get on the right track. So that's why we do what we do.
1: And once again, to use a medical analogy, you don't want to wait until you have a stage four tax illness. You should head this stuff off so that it never gets that far. So to that end, instead of waiting till the end, I mean, as you said, in the very beginning, that's when you want to do tax planning. How would someone start? I mean, where would you want to begin this journey to make sure that you're not paying any more taxes than you have to?
2: Yeah, unfortunately, you know, one of the reasons I became a financial advisor is not because I thought the world needed another stockbroker or registered investment advisor. It didn't. What the world needed was financial uh, investment people that understood tax law, estate planning, charitable gifting strategies, business succession, real estate, on and on. That knew the, the combination. That's why it's Madrona Financial and CPAs. It's that combination. Now, most people that I talk to are disappointed with their CPA. And I'll say disappointed with their CPA and at the same time really like their CPA. So really like my CPA, disappointed that I don't really get advice. They're really good at filling out the forms and they get them right. And I feel a lot of peace of mind that I'm not gonna have the IRS beating down my door because I know the forms are filled out. And even if they come, I can turn to my CPA and they'll be with me and they'll be communicating with the IRS. So, that needs to be happening in people's lives, that's that's a great thing. But disappointed in the fact they cannot get investment advice. Why is the primary reason? The primary reason is CPAs are not allowed to give investment advice, they're not licensed. They can't do it. A secondary reason is they don't know how. They are not trained in that. I was not trained in that through college, through the CPA exam, through years of being a CPA, being a partner of a CPA firm. I was not trained in investment product and application. Conversely, people are disappointed that I talk to with their financial advisors. Do they like them? Absolutely. Love my financial advisor. Really nice person. Go golfing with them. Uh, They know my dog's name and, you know, we talk about all kinds of things and they're really nice and they put on these great parties and I go to and they're really fun. I really like my financial advisor. And then I'll say to them, well, then why are you here? Why did you get out of bed to come to my office to tell me how much you love your financial advisor? Well, because they can't answer any of my questions. what kind of questions? Well, pretty much anything on real estate, on business succession, charitable gifting strategies, tax planning, estate planning, tax advantage investment strategies, Delaware Statutory Trust, they can't answer any of those questions because they're not licensed to answer tax questions. So again, disappointed in people you like and maybe you have that cpa that you're disappointed in that you know we can work with other cpas we can't work with other financial advisors so much so i had somebody uh, i just did a seminar and they said well i have a financial advisor but he can't do anything you do how do you guys work together i said well honestly we don't you would actually move those investments to our management and then you have access to everything we can add to you he's like oh but i really like the guy i'm like okay Stay with him. Well, no, I don't want to stay with him because he can't do anything you do and he can't answer all the questions you can answer. I get that so we can't necessarily work with other financial advisors great but we can work with your CPA great because we speak the same language and we're we're on the same page. They want you to have a better life they just don't have access to our products and they don't have training in this area but we can work with them and we encourage you to keep your CPA. I'm not looking to have you change your CPA. When you find a good CPA stay with them They're, they're tough to find but we can complement that relationship by adding the financial component and give you a great financial plan a great plan going forward with your great cpa doing all the stuff that they do and us doing the stuff that we do
1: brian as you said many people love their cpas they've had them for years and as you said you can work with your cpa most cpas though really you're looking through the rear view mirror they're looking at what happened last year and i think when you were just a cpa didn't you say you didn't even know what year it was you really weren't looking ahead I was always confused with what year it was. I'm doing amended returns from three years ago, two years ago,
2: one year ago. I'm using, I'm all in last year. I'm looking at stuff from this year. And yeah, I I truly did. And you know, I'm not knocking CPAs. Uh, What I'm knocking is that financial advisors aren't working with CPAs and they just don't talk to each other very often at all. And so the CPA's focus is going to be on last year. It's going to be on making sure that we have the taxes and all of the financial statements and so forth from last year. That was my focus forever and ever. It wasn't until I became a financial advisor that I started looking not only in the rearview mirror but in the windshield. And so I could look forward and backwards. And so once I had that combination, it, that was just a life-changing event for me, my my profession, my company. We went from a small CPA firm to much much larger organization with many offices managing a lot of money uh, and not quite a billion yet but we're gonna hit that pretty soon and so it just changed everything it changed how we can help people improve their life what I was frustrated with being a CPA is yeah I was a good CPA and I, I had strategies and all that stuff and could do financial statements again and tax returns really well and review them and all that stuff but I couldn't really change people's lives that much. I didn't have that much effect. It was, again, doing stuff in the past and and helping them maximize their deductions, but that wasn't life-changing. That didn't offer them the advice on when they could retire, how they could retire, how their life could be, all this kind of stuff, protecting them against down markets and and so forth and so on. But once I added that, and then we could, and now now we have lots of advisors that work hand-in-hand with our CPAs and are able to deliver on that.
1: Brian, I've heard this strategy of the 0% tax bracket. I mean, it is heralded in, uh, you know, ads. I see it all the time. Is that really a goal that you should strive for? No. <laughs> no, it
2: is not. I never want to be in the 0% tax bracket. That means all of my investments are in one thing, which I highly discourage. And this would be a universal life or a variable universal life type policy. Don't want all my assets in one bucket. And or I didn't make any money. So I never want all my assets in one investment, nor do I ever not want to ever make any income, okay? Just let me just say that on the radio right now. I like the fact that I pay taxes. I like the fact that I'm in a higher tax bracket, but what I don't want to do is overpay taxes. I don't wanna lump up taxable income in a given year when I had a different year when I wouldn't have been in such a high bracket. I wanna level them off and take advantage of marginal rates. When available, I want to defer taxes and eliminate them someday generationally, whether it's using Delaware Statutory Trust or the people that promote the zero bracket are selling a product that product isn't a bad thing it's just not something i would put hundred percent of my assets into maybe five percent maybe ten percent so it's not that it's a bad thing it's it's like is spinach good or bad well you said well that's a good thing what if all you ever ate was spinach? You would die. You would be dead in a month if all you ate was spinach. And so that is not a good thing to do Uh, when somebody, I hate annuities and you should too. Well, what if I just did stocks and bonds until, you know, and then the market crashes? What's my protection you don't have any? Oh, well, annuities were protected, right? Yeah. You didn't need it, but I'm an 82-year-old widow. What, what do you mean I didn't need protection? You know, So all our eggs in one basket is not a good idea. And so that's too much of the advisory world right now that we live in. And so that's, that's why we bring up meshing all the different types of strategies with a good tax plan and a great financial plan.
1: Brad, I want you to tell the story of uh, speaking to a group of financial advisors who say that they have CPAs on call there. And you ask them if anybody has ever really looked to the tax return, the result really the number of hands was surprising. Oh gosh, yeah.
2: Frankly, none of the people in the audience looked at their tax return. Now, some of them had hired an enrolled agent. They said, "We do tax planning. We have an enrolled a- agent that will do a-, a simple tax return for you know a couple hundred bucks or whatever." I'm like, "Okay, what do they do with that information?" I was like, "What do you mean? They fill out the return?" I'm like, "Okay, yeah. What do they do with that return?" Uh, well, they give it to the client, they, they send them a bill. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That is not an integrated financial and accounting firm. And frankly, the, the people that I hear that they even hire, the ones that, have, the very few that actually have someone that will prepare a return is somebody that would be, I, we would call them a junior staff person, you know, maybe accountant one, accountant two, maybe even accountant three, certainly not a supervisor, manager, that kind of thing, partner. We have all the different levels here from advanced tax planning to just basic tax return preparation and everything in between. But even my most experienced CPAs aren't necessarily trained in the analysis part of once I've done that tax return, what can i glean from that and one of the examples i give is on schedule e so if you own rental houses or any any investment real estate you know you fill out your cpa fills out schedule e that's where you list your different properties and what does a cpa see when they look at schedule e well they look to see if all the components are there depreciation was calculated properly we're not missing property taxes insurance which we know we should have are the losses deductible or are we carrying some forward to the next year that's what i would see when I was a CPA. What does a financial advisor see when they look at Schedule E page one rentals? They see assets they can't manage. And very often the advice is, you should sell your real estate and pay the tax and give me the rest of the money so I can put you in a 60-40 stock bond split and or annuities. Okay, what does Brian and the Madrona team see when they see Schedule E page one? We see rentals and depending on your age, you may be at a time when you want to consider retiring from being a landlord. We see the net profit from the rental. We add back depreciation, figure out your cash flow from that relative to your fair market value. We'll prepare a spreadsheet showing what your actual cash flow return on investment is property by property to help you determine if any of these are hurting your finances helping them how much, is there an alternative, a tax-free alternative to maybe triple, double, triple your your net cash flow, take away some stress and have a a succession plan for your real estate and and a retirement strategy for landlords. That's what we see, we see it completely differently than a CPA alone sees it, than a financial planner alone sees it. We would do something that could potentially help your life, help your cash flow, change your life, help your stress level, improve your time and so forth for the rest of your life and and make a life-changing event, not just telling you one of the other things I I just mentioned. So we see things differently when we see a tax return and certainly if you're not looking at a tax return, if a financial advisor is not looking at your tax return, they're probably not really doing any tax planning for you.
1: We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs. We're talking about your end-of-year tax planning checklist and when you should start end-of-year tax planning. And I think the answer is about nine months ago. Do not wait (laughs) until December. So, Brian, if our listeners have questions about what we're uh, discussing today and they want to get in and get their Madrona analysis, which would include tax planning all year round, I want them to call 833-673-7373 right now and request their Madrona analysis. If tax planning is on your mind, call now phone lines are open. It is 833-673-7373. Just a friendly conversation to get you on the right track to a retirement that could last 30 years. Now, you must have at least $500,000 of investable assets to qualify for this conversation. But if you do, we'll send you out Brian's book, Seven Steps to a Successful Retirement. Once again, phone lines are open right now. Do it while you're thinking about it. 833-673-7373 and get your Madrona analysis, which will include Tax planning strategies, among other things. No cost and no obligation. Brian, let's continue our conversation here about end of year tax planning and some of the problems that you have seen there at Bendroan Financial and CPAs. I would imagine that you've seen many clients who do not have a plan and most of their assets are in IRAs. I see that a lot. And what happens is if, if they don't come in, this is what I
2: see happening is that somebody retires in their, let's say it's their early mid 60s and pretty much all of their investable assets are in IRAs. And they've, they've heard about these RMDs and they know they're gonna have to take in all this income, but they don't have to until uh, almost their mid 70s now. And so they're gonna wait. So in the meantime, maybe they'll start their Social Security early to have some kind of income. Maybe they have you know, some other sources. But generally speaking, they're going to cut their budget because they don't want to take the taxation of moving money from their IRA to their personal account. So they know they're supposed to not pay tax. That, that, that's what they heard, don't pay tax. And then they're going to get their required minimum distributions. And so they're going to live frugally throughout their 60s and early to mid 70s until they're required to take this money. And then they're going to start living it up. Problem is they're getting to an age where they're not living it up anymore. They haven't. That's not their lifestyle. Now they have some really high tax bills because those IRAs grew and grew and grew. And now they're in a higher tax bracket and they're going, huh, that was not an awesome retirement. So I just laid out this really sad story. That's the start of the movie. And and then we have the, the change and what happened? Oh, along came a great financial plan. Now that financial plan might involve things you're not used to hearing. It would involve things like take money out of your IRA in your 60s to spread out your marginal tax bracket. Somebody's going to pay tax on that. Do you want to pay really high brackets in your 70s and and have a, a great life starting in your mid-70s? Or would you rather have a better life starting when you retire and paying tax at a lower average marginal tax bracket? So here's that solution that I would offer that client. Not only a solution to lower their average tax bracket and tax payments on that IRA account for the rest of their life, but to enjoy a better life along the way by having more cash flow in their best years, which in this case would be their 60s. Your best years are generally not your 80s, over your 60s. So I would say let's have a better life now and have a lower tax total. And that sounds crazy because, you know, the CPA just said you want to volunteer taxes earlier rather than later to spread out your average marginal tax brackets over
1: your lifetime. Brian, as a CPA and a financial advisor, you've been doing this for between 20 and 30 years easily. Beyond that particular situation, what are some of the other client problems that you have seen that you've come up with a solution for?
2: Yeah, another one would be maxing out contributions to qualified retirement accounts. Uh, And you go, wait a second, why is that a bad thing? You just told me to pay more tax and now you're telling me not to put as much money away into my 401k or whatever. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there can be tax smart ways to invest knowing you're gonna pay tax on things down the road what if instead of putting money into your qualified accounts because a lot of people think well i want to put money into my deductible 401k now because in retirement i'm told i'll be in a lower tax bracket well many of my clients are actually in a higher tax bracket than they plan to be their investments did well they did well and in retirement they're actually in a higher tax bracket than they plan to be And the future of tax brackets, I just did a seminar and I asked 150 people in the room, how many think that given our national debt, that the income tax brackets are going to decrease 10 years from now versus increase? And there was no hands out of 150. So I'm pretty sure that tax brackets won't be lower in the future. So what that tells me is, why max out deductible IRA or 401k contributions, knowing you're gonna pay tax on that, potentially at a higher bracket, when you could put it into a Roth, a Roth type investment, that has a bracket of zero guaranteed for life. I would think that if you're going to have an asset that's going to grow over time and has time to grow and is going to compound that way, that it would make a lot of sense to consider the Roth part of a, you know, Roth 401k contributions and that kind of thing. Different strategies, Roth conversions earlier, why wait? Maybe do them earlier to max out certain brackets that you think are going to be once in a lifetime for you in particular. So there's another strategy. A problem is that we go along, we hear these things, oh, you're going to be a certain bracket later. And then when you put it to the test, you go, wait a second, that doesn't apply to me. Is there something else I can do? So we can help you solve that problem, too.
1: Brian, I think most people are familiar with Trump's uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that expires at the end of 2025. It sunsets. How does that happening play into this conversation?
2: Well, you're making a big assumption there, Jeff, that we're all keeping track of Trump's tax cuts expiring in 2025. And I'm glad you said it that way because I'm pretty sure everybody listening go, I don't know when Trump's tax cuts uh, are expiring, sunsetting, and how that affects me. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, you probably don't. I I don't for my own, probably uh, off the top of my head here. (laughs) But uh, I would say that that would be part of the planning process, that as we're looking at things that are going to change, we would take that into account. We know that certain are changing in 2025 and what that may or may not mean for you. And these are probably conversations you aren't having right now. So that's a, another example of something in the horizon we know about right now. We already know certain things are changing. Can we prepare for that? Can we prepare for the change in tax brackets and certain things expiring and so forth? Well, yes, we can. Can we on December 31st of 2024? probably not. A little bit too late. Uh, I'm sure uh, folks here are taking that day off. So yeah, we can start that planning now. And that's just an example of another thing we know is going to happen in the future. We know we're going to age and not be as active in the future. We know tax brackets may go up. We know Trump tax breaks are going to expire and we know when. We know different things about our future income. We know when annuities are going to kick in. Social Security is going to kick in. What can we do now to prevent waiting and bunching up income so that's all taxed, you know, the extra incomes taxed at the highest marginal tax bracket for the rest of my life. Nobody wants that. Let's move that into a lower bracket year, and it may be an earlier bracket year where we're volunteering some tax at a lower bracket versus paying a lot of tax at a higher bracket late in life when the money maybe doesn't mean as much to us.
1: Brian, I know that the tax laws change on an annual basis, and I understand that Madrona Financial and CPAs that the CPAs are constantly in a learning process. They're really updating themselves and going through some ongoing education every year in the new tax laws.
2: Well, yeah, in fact, we're required to. Uh, Every year we have continuing education requirements uh, as CPAs, and one of those I know my whole staff signs up for every year, whether they're a CPA or not, is the income tax update and the business tax update. So There are changes all the year and it's not just tax law changes produced by Congress. A lot of it has to do with court cases because the tax law itself is a skeleton and the revenue rulings and court cases fill in the skeleton. And so most of the rules are written a certain way to where they're all subject to interpretation and then the various tax courts interpret that. So we go through the, you know, the the rules aren't very set necessarily in the tax code as I mentioned. So we have to know how the interpretations are going. what can and can't we do? What do we think? You know, the most of the tax law is gray. It's not black and white. There are some things that are black and white. A lot of it's gray. And so we go over the gray and, you know, is this dark gray, light gray? Is it black? Is it white? What are we looking at here? And so that is a big part that people probably don't really understand that there's a lot more to tax advisory than just looking up something in the code.
1: Brian, we have unpacked a lot of information on our show today. What you need to know if you want to leave a charitable legacy and end-of-year tax planning. Can you sort of give us a recap or something that you want listeners to take from today's conversation?
2: Yeah, we talked about tax planning and charitable gifting. Didn't get into the nuts and bolts of charitable gifting, more big picture about giving your time, talent, and treasure. Uh, Certainly, if you're giving some of your treasure your money, we want to do it in a tax-efficient way. But really, it was about giving yourself the freedom to know that you'll be okay in any market if you are one of the one in five people, according to the study, that have a comprehensive financial plan. Even if you have one of those, we want you to go from a good plan to a great plan, a good life to a great life doing what we can to make that better, whether it is through these charitable gifting strategies, tax planning strategies, investment strategies, all that different things. They all work together that way. And, and that's what we were trying to share, especially with the charitable gifting on the earlier part of the show. So if you missed that, uh, you can always go to a podcast and re-listen to that.
1: That's right, Brian. For those listeners who are just joining us, as Brian said, we are a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcast, search for Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans. You will find this show and weekday takeaways so that you can stay on top of your wealth and your journey towards retirement. Well, Brian, we've had a great conversation today, but unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to thank you certainly for your valuable time to spend with us every week. But most importantly, I want to thank our listeners here in the Greater Puget Sound for joining us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. Get out there and enjoy this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again. next week with another edition of
0: Growing Your Wealth. of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.
1: DST investments are only available to accredited investors and offered solely through the issuers offering documents. The DST sponsor determines whether to accept any individual subscription documents. Madrona Financial and CPAs is a registered trade name used singly and collectively for the affiliated entities Madrona Financial Services LLC, Madrona, and Bauer Evans Inc. PC, Bauer Evans. Investment advisory services are provided through Madrona. CPA services are provided through Bauer Evans.